Uh, as we get into his word today, the text that God has laid on our hearts, this idea of homecoming, is, uh, is from Psalm 126. We'll be there in a minute. And as we get ready to, to move into Psalm 126 and this idea of homecoming, I want you to understand the background. You know, this, this actually was a people that were coming into Jerusalem, that, that it was a psalm of lament and ascent, that they had been through some things, that they had gone through life, and 70 years they had waited for this moment. And as they came in, they're going to acknowledge in God's word both the highs, the lows, and how faithful and good he is, that he is the same God in every generation. Amen? If we back up to Jeremiah 29, verse 11, some of you are familiar with this verse. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. God gave that to them, and then 70 years later, in Psalm 126, we see them coming to celebrate how God had fulfilled and done that. I'm going to pray us in, and then you're going to hear from Pastor Tom, then Pastor Ken, and then myself, and we hope and trust that his word is going to minister to you today. Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you that you are the same God in every season that you are faithful and good and just, that you are filled with a love for your people. Father, we thank you that you know the plans that you have for us. And Father, as we turn to your word, we pray that it would come alive in new ways, that you would bring hope and healing, that you would set us on fire for you and for the things that you have for our lives. So be with us now. And may your word speak loud and clear, and may you get all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor. Have you ever been misplaced? Well, the Psalm 126 talks about a people that have been misplaced. As Pastor has alluded to, they have been, their homes have been taken away from them. The Babylonians had carted them off, and for 70 years... They had lost their community. They had been in a land where they were unfamiliar with the language and all kinds of customs. And this is what happens when they start to come back. In Psalm 126, beginning at verse 1 and reading through verse 2, when the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Being a part of Florida, you're obviously aware that we have a hurricane season, and that hurricane has affected us in many different times. Some of you may even remember back in the 70s when Hurricane David came through and hit Vero Beach. But in later years, we've had Charlie and Irma and all of those. And unfortunately, here this year, we had another Category 4 storm that hit. And it hit down at Sanibel Island in that area anyway. And as I think we have a picture of it, and when that happened... All of these people who had been secure, look at that picture. Can you imagine if that were your home or your community or your area? And these people were suddenly without a home. They didn't know what they were going to do. They were totally misplaced. But I'm not as concerned about misplacing our home as I am misplacing our way. Have you misplaced your way? 
At one point, you were on fire for God. At one point, you just loved the Lord and all that that entailed. But suddenly, somehow, you just seem to have gotten off track a little bit. And you're not exactly sure where it happened or how it happened, but somehow you're misplaced. Well, I've got great news for you. Because as we read through this, these are people coming back. And when they come back, it says when they were brought back into Jerusalem or into into the area of Israel. If you have been misplaced, God wants to bring you back to a special place in life because He loves you so much. He wants you to experience the fullness. And the word that we use sometimes there is called redeemed. He has been bought back. And you and I who have been misplaced have the opportunity to be redeemed. We have the opportunity to come back into a special relationship with Jesus Christ that will enable us to fulfill all that we want to do in life. They have been delivered from their oppression. They've been delivered from their slavery. They had been delivered back to where they really belonged. The second part of that verse says this, we were like men who dreamed. People of faith are dreamers. Now, when I use the word dream, I'm not talking about when you go to bed at night and you have a dream, because sometimes that can be a nightmare, right? So we don't want to talk about that. But when we talk biblically about what it means to dream, what we're talking about is a biblical dream is this. It is is the ability to foresee a favorable future because we have God through His Son, Jesus Christ, batting for us. We have Him there for us to lead us into these dreams. So as people of, of faith, as believers... We come before the Lord. The Bible is not a book, by the way, about survival. It is a book about victory. In Romans chapter 8, it says to us, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. Most of the time when people dream, they dream about success. And there's nothing wrong with success. As a matter of fact, we all want success in life. If we're going to an educational facility, we want to be successful in what we do. We get married, we want to be successful in our marriage. Our relationships, we want to be successful in that. So all of our life, we're thinking about success and we dream about success, and and that's okay. You know, I've never met an individual toward the end of their life who have said to me, you know, when I was little, I really wanted to be an abstract failure in life. I really thought that'd be kind of neat. This doesn't happen, does it? We all want to be successful, but as people of faith, we have a different perspective on things. As people of faith, we want to be significant because success is secular. Nothing wrong with it. Significance is spiritual. Success leaves us. It's very fickle. It can come and go. Significance lasts forever. There are some individuals in, who have helped to bring us to where we are today who have dreamed about being significant. You've seen them on the video a little earlier today. I mentioned to Pastor Brian about J.H. Dodson, who I had to happen to have the privilege of doing his funeral. What a godly man of God. He had a vision that we could start a church in Vero Beach where we could impact the people of Vero Beach, where we could make an impact upon this community and bring to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so down through the years, there are other individuals who have had an impact and have had a dream, a dream about being significant for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And so, uh, his son named Harvey Dotson was a major factor in this congregation and over many years was a leader in all different kinds in many different ways. And then we find Ron Lowe, who was another dreamer. He foresaw a beautiful future because of his faith in God through his son, Jesus Christ. And he said, let's move out of 14th Street and move to 27th Avenue. And they did so, a dreamer. And then after that, in the 80s, we find that we felt like we needed to build a new facility because the old facility was so crowded we couldn't do things. So we built a brand new facility. We had a dream about what that could involve. And then after that, Pastor Ken and Grant came up with an idea and a dream that they had, a dream of being significant in Vero Beach. And so they started Master's Academy, and Pastor Ken moved, was the leader when they moved out here to the place where we are today. And those, those individuals live significant lives. And then after that, we also have many other individuals who have come along, and they've had a dream. We have Pastor Greg that we've talked about today. And then now we have a new leader, and he is a dreamer. Pastor Brian is a dreamer. I knew that for one reason. When we talked about this service today, he said, we're going to share the message, and all three of us are going to speak, and we're going to hold it to 30 minutes total. I said, Pastor Brian, that ain't going to happen. So I hope you've eaten already, because it might be a while. <laughs> but we're dreamers. We dream of a faithful, uh, a favorable future whereby God can be honored. We dream of a favorable future because of our faith in God, because He can do all things through us who love Him and care about Him. You know, when you look around, this just didn't happen by chance. It wasn't luck that we have what we have here today. It happened because people dreamed. They dreamed of having a significant impact in ministry. Now, anytime you have a big dream, you got big trouble. You got big struggles because Satan doesn't want to see this happen. And so there's been times where it's been difficult. There's been times of disappointment. There's been times of setback. But you know what? We're here today. And we have a great future ahead of us. I'm so excited. <laughs> I am so excited about what Pastor Brian is doing here and his other leadership. I'd mention him, but I don't want to exclude the other leadership here as well. You're on a great path. This is going to be a fantastic, I'm so excited about what's happening here. It's just wonderful to be able to come back and to see some old friends, but yet see what the future is holding for you. And so after that, they were misplaced. They were redeemed. They were brought back. And spiritually, we are bought back into the family of God. And therefore, once that happens, we begin to dream. We begin to dream about what can be. And so when we dream those dreams, what happens is we start to celebrate. You have a wonderful worship experience here this morning, and I think you have a wonderful, I've been here before, and you have a wonderful group of musicians and singers and leaders who lead us in worship week by week. And so they begin to celebrate. Now, they didn't celebrate the leaders. You notice in verse 2, it says they celebrated God for what he had done. And therefore, when we talk about the leaders in this video and so forth, we're not celebrating them. We're just celebrating the fact that they were listening to God and what God wanted them to do, and therefore, they could celebrate together. So what are the results of this? Spiritually, if you're misplaced, this is the time to come back into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. This is a time to move forward in your faith. This is a time to be brought back into the family of God. And you know what are the results of all of this? 
the Lord God is glorified. The body of Christ is edified. And Satan is horrified by what's going to happen here. Let me introduce you to a friend, Pastor Ken. Would you please come and share? Thanks, Tom. Thank you. That was great. I know why so many of you love this. This, this has really been special, uh, needless to say, to reconnect with some old friends, but I recognize that the vast majority of you were not here during our ministries, and we, we just want to say how blessed we are to be friends of that. Uh, now, I notice this might be going out again, so I'll, I'll grab this if I need to. Okay, there you go. All right. Okay, we thought we had it uh, solved. I'll, I'll just use this. But um, yeah, so I just, I want to say welcome to those. And if you happen to be here for the first time, bless your heart uh, as we are celebrating. It reminds me of one weekend we were over at 27th Street and we used to shake hands, you know, after and greet each other. I don't know if you guys do that here or not, but, you know, turn around and say hello to your neighbor. And uh, one of the cool things this weekend has been to reconnect with some of my colleagues, uh, other pastors on staff, Pastor Grant and Mike Beaver, who's up here, and Mark Shaner and Doug Vogt. And, and so there are several pastors. My wife introduces herself to a new gal uh, in the row in front of her and says, I'm one of the pastor's wives. And the gal looked at her and said, how many wives does this pastor have? <laughs> and uh, so welcome uh, today. And I, I have to share with you that this song that they sang a, f a couple of songs back, all my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. And uh, I, quite honestly, I, I, I really don't have time to preach today. As Tom pointed out, we'd have been not given that much time. Could I just testify to you the goodness of God? Uh, I don't believe I've ever had a chance to just share subsequently what God did when we, when we left Vero Beach. And I want to share with you how God moved and now, looking back 20 years, almost 20 years, I want you to celebrate with me as we celebrate the goodness of God, the redemptive work of God, and I want to testify to that. The passage that I was given, uh, and I think it was by providence that uh, the Pastor Brian uh, chose this, this particular psalm, and my verses, four, verse 4 and 5 says, Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. This is going to parallel much of what the verse Brian's going to close out with, but, but it's basically twofold. There's the time of weeping, there's the time of tears, there's the time of difficulty, and then there's the hope and the promise of the joy that's going to come, the songs of joy that will result. And I have to just testify, uh, probably one of the hardest seasons of my life, it was the hardest season of my life, was in 2003 when we left Vero Beach. Um, I have to say, you know, it was, it was so abrupt and, and it was so hard, and many of you uh, went through that experience. It was hard for you as well. What was God doing? I, I have to share one little quote that over the years has meant so much to me uh, some of you know that I've, I've kind of fed off of Oswald Chambers for many years um, as far as his writing, his teaching, and he had this quote, 
And I just want to share it with you. He talks about the call of God is not about sanctification so much as it is about becoming broken bread and poured out wine. But he goes on and he says, and yet God can never make us into wine if we object to the fingers he uses or chooses to crush us. We say if God would only use his own fingers and make me broken bread and poured out wine in a special way, then I wouldn't object. But when he uses some, someone I dislike or some of set of circumstances which I would have never submitted to to crush me, then we object. And yet we must never choose the place of our own martyrdom. Listen to this. If we are going to be made into wine, we will have to be crushed. You cannot drink grapes. And I know the place of my, my crushing, at least one of those, and God had a purpose uh, behind that. And to submit to that and to submit to God's work. The church was gracious enough to give us, unusually, a year's severance. I had a year to, to kind of hear from God and what, what was the next chapter going to look like. We had four kids and, and we just, I didn't know. Didn't know what the next chapter was going to be. And it, it, it took a while, but it was about six months into that, that one year that I felt the Lord calling me to just get away, go, go listen to him, go hear his voice. And I went up to North Carolina all by myself, and for the first couple of days, I just was sorting through what God was saying, what God was speaking. I was owning my own stuff. And I have to share this with you because this, this really was the pivotal moment of the redemption story that this psalm we're looking at today, going from tears to joy, and I have to read this for you. I have to share this with you. It's, it's Isaiah 58. I went up there, and on Tuesday afternoon, I was reading this psalm, and here's how it went. Then your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing will quickly appear. Your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call the Lord on the Lord, and he will answer, and you will cry for help, and he will say, here I am. That's a great promise, right? Just like this psalm we're reading is a great promise. You're going to have tears, of joy, uh, tears and weeping, but there's going to be a time where the song of joy is going to come. But you have to read that, read on, because there's a condition to that breakthrough. There's a, to, a condition to the light breaking forth, and here was the condition. Listen to this. If you do away with the yoke of oppression... With the pointing of the finger and the malicious talk. If you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like noonday. Friends, I tell you, I had to own my stuff. And, and that one thing, the malicious talk, just jumped off the stage because when you go through a painful time, you want to let everybody know about it, don't you? And if somebody hurt you or offended you or did something to you that God was using, I ask you the question, what thumbs and fingers is God using to crush you, to squeeze you for his purposes to make us poured out wine? I know what it was for me. And when I owned that and when I talked to the Lord and I repented of that kind of talk and the pointing of the finger, 
the very next day, God laid upon my heart to call a mentor who uh, was from the Seattle area, and he landed in Daytona Beach. He had planted nine churches throughout the Puget Sound area. Powerful ministry. And I called Bob, and, and I said, could I meet you on the way back from North Carolina? And we met up there, and he began to tell me about church planting, and he talked about a church that they had opened up at a high school gym. They set up uh, 300 chairs hoping and praying that God would fill them. 850 people showed up the first Sunday, okay? And I got excited, and I'm driving home, and I'm thinking, God, what do you want to do? Is that, is that for us? You know, should we plant a church? Three weeks later, I'm preaching out in the Northwest at a family camp. Uh, a couple comes up, and, and they, they say, it'd be great if you could be our new pastor. And I, didn't, I knew the area, and they, 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 they told me about the church. And that morning, I was teaching on Abraham being shown the stars at this conference. That afternoon, I go to the campus where this church was. I want to show you a picture. I looked at a picture on my wall here in Vero Beach for 10 years of Mount Constitution because I love the Northwest. You have that picture of the church. Um, she took me up to the third floor. She said, you want to see where the new senior pastor's office is going to be? And I looked out the window, and I could see Mount Constitution from my window on the San Juan Islands. You, you not have that picture? Really? Okay. Okay. Well, I, I was going to show it to you, but... <laughs> Anyway, I, I knew then, and God witnessed in my heart, he said, you've been looking at a picture for 10 years. I'm going to give you the real thing. And, and I spent the next 16 years there, and I, I got to tell you, it, it, was, it was a redeeming story. And then we just went through a succession plan when we turned it over. And so I celebrate that because this weeping, these tears turned into a song of joy, and we praise God. And one last thing I'll share with you, not just a physical building, not just the ministry that he gave us and all of that, but the most blessed thing that God did was he saved my kids. He saved my kids. More often than not, when you go through a hard time in the church and in the ministry, your kids watch it. They have a front row seat and they don't want anything to do with the church. And today you've seen a little miracle right before your eyes with my two girls that have a ministry and a calling. And much, much of their ministry was born out of that. In fact, the very first song that Anna wrote was called Sheaves, which is the verse that Brian's going to be sharing in just a moment. And, uh, and not only those two, but my youngest son, Stuart, who was uh, the first Seven kids that were in Master's Academy. He was one of the kindergartners. He's now a pastor in Glasgow, Scotland. As a missionary and a ministry to them. Just welcomed their second child. And my daughter, Abby. I don't know if you have those pictures. Uh, okay. He's going, no. All right. We'll figure that out. Um, they, my daughter, Abby who probably took more of the brunt of the, the difficulty than any of my kids, is now a church consultant. And she helps churches sort through their stuff and place leadership and, and search. In fact, it was her company that brought Pastor Brian. Um, and she was indirectly. But that's, that's the redeeming story of God. And so with that, I want Brian to close us out.
Amen. Amen. Um, It is incredible to see the thread through everything, isn't it? And uh, I hope that you get to hear more of their stories after service, you know, over a cake and, and coffee to, to know that whatever pain, whatever th- things we go through, that there is this reality of the goodness of God that he's birthing and, and redeeming and moving. As we look at that idea, yes, there is stuff that we go through, but I just want to remind you who we are as a church, who we are today, what God's put on our heart. You know, we have a history that we're standing on the shoulders of and moving forward. And our vision is to be the church, a place that is restoring, raising up, and reaching out. You're hearing stories of redemption and restoring, and and we believe that's because everybody needs a home. We were created for a home with the Lord, but also with each other where restoration can happen. In addition to that, it's the raising up, the generations of Christ's followers, that that it's in that space that God moves and works. And then he leads us to be a people that goes out. Sometimes when we go out and we're sent, it is with the story of the hurt and the pain and what God is doing in it. We need people that are wounded healers is a great way to think about it. There's a quote I want to share with you from Scott McKnight and Laura Berenger. Uh, They say this, because there are so many wounded, Jesus says we need a host of wounded healers. In other words, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you have been commissioned not only to see and hear and believe the wounded, but also to care for them, to bind up their wounds and heal their afflictions. Jesus does this in and through his people. And as you've just heard about verse 5 and 6, or verse 5, let me read it to you again. It says, those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Are there any shouts of joy in the room today? Any shouts of joy for what God has done? Verse 6 says, he who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing the sheaves with him. Do you think about this? Maybe we be reminded about who Jesus is. Jesus, when faced with seeing a city that was in disarray, a people that were hurting and wounded and without a shepherd, in Matthew 9, verse 36, we see a glimpse of Jesus' heart. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You need to know whatever your story, whatever those wounds are, whatever maybe you have gone through, Jesus loves you. He sees you. He has wept over you. And his heart is for you. The heart of his church is for you. Like sheep without a shepherd is a great reminder that in every season, he is the great shepherd. That yes, we are people that have served and are serving today as as senior pastors or lead pastors, but Jesus is the chief shepherd of this church. He is the great shepherd that is always there to shepherd in every season. As we think of that, I want you to think of not just the goodness of God, but also in addition to that, this idea of but God. Can you say that with me? But God. You you see, it would be easy for you to say, well, I could do that, but but God doesn't know what I did. I I could be a part of that, but, but God doesn't know what I went through. As if he's not sovereign, as if he's not good, as if, as if he doesn't already know. You see, the shift is to say, no matter what we've been through, no, no matter what we've faced, but God. 
You take the problem and you put it in front of God and it becomes a but God. Your story becomes like what you're hearing that, yes, I went through this, but God did this. Yes, I went through this, but look at what God did next. Church, we serve a God who says that every situation, every problem, he is able to step into. And he also says you're not going to do it alone. You see, the, the promise within Psalm 126 is he's also with, he's a with God. That with God, he is present, he is available, he is with us. That as he looks at us with compassion, he wants to step in, he wants to intervene, he wants to connect and be with us. And he sends us on mission. It's actually in the next two verses, right after verse 36, when Jesus has compassion on him, listen uh, what it says here. He then said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest. You see, he's saying, listen, you have this situation, but God, I am able, I want to take you forward. I want to be with you. I want to heal you. I want to use you. I want to help have your story go out and share the good news of Jesus with others. That you and I become the sent ones. Because you see verse 6 when it says that they return with sheaves and a shouting of joy. Sheaves were symbolic of the harvest. Sheaves were actually that they had reaped a harvest and they were bringing it back and saying, look at what God did. I want to tell you, these, these men will not tell you what I'm about to tell you, because they're humble and they didn't do it for any recognition. But I will tell you, when they left here, their significance in ministry only increased. That actually, they realized, but God is able, that with God, he can continue. And I'm telling you, they went out and they have done incredible things. They are coming back today with sheaves that we may not have seen here at Pathway, but are worth shouting for joy because it's a part of the kingdom harvest. Amen? And I'm telling you, God has this for each of us. He has a plan and a purpose, a hope and a future, and he wants to use you in the same ways. Our shouts of joy should be heard. The harvest is his, and he's looking for laborers and people that will say, I'm willing to go. I'm willing to allow him to use me and my story. So next step questions to close, because believe it or not, we'd fit it into 30 minutes. We did it. <laughs> Y'all didn't think we could. I talked a little bit faster. First, are you willing to look for God's goodness in every season and situation? Seriously, let that sit there for a minute. God knows what you're going through today. God knows what you've faced. Are you willing in every season and situation to look for his goodness? Because I assure you, it is there. Secondly, how could this homecoming message change your story? To embrace what you've heard, that God is a redeemer, that God wants us to dream again, that God wants to use us and our stories. And then third, who could you share this good news with this week? Who needs to hear from you that maybe you need to reconcile with? Maybe you need to share for the first time. Maybe you need to go online and even share this service with others. 
So as we put that in front of you, our team is coming out, and we're gonna, I'm going to pray us into a time of just response. To close the service today, we're responding by singing and celebrating the promises of God and his faithfulness. Our prayer team will be available. Myself and uh, pastors Tom and Ken and uh, our wives will be up here and available. Carol is actually ill, as I mentioned earlier, but Annette and Cindy will be joining us up here. We would be happy to pray for anybody, any need that you have. As we finish the service, time of fellowship available in the cafe. If you have kids in kids' ministry, you're going to have to go get them quickly, all right? We push the time today, but isn't God good? He is with us and he is here. So Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the hearts that have gone before us, the hearts that are here today. We thank you for your heart that takes us into the future. And Father, we ask that you would continue the great work of restoring, raising up, and reaching out, that we could be a people that would allow our stories to impact others. Holy Spirit, bring healing to anyone that needs it. Bring hope to anyone that's without it. Father, we submit our future into your hands. And we just ask Jesus that you would step into our lives in new ways, fresh ways, even now. In Jesus' name, amen.